Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. This morning I'm going to be speaking about mission. We're in a series at the moment where we're doing sort of a four-week thing and we're just rotating, rotating, rotating. So we're on mission this week. I've titled this message, Miss Mission Isn't a Mission. Is that a tongue twister to anyone else or is it just me? Just me. Thanks, Pastor Steve. Mission isn't a mission. I'm going to read from Psalm 84 this morning. I'm going to read the whole psalm throughout my message. And, but before I start reading this psalm, I wanted to talk about what the psalms are so that we can get an understanding of how to read them and how to apply them this morning. Like, um, what genre are the psalms? Who knows that? Does anyone, this is, I'm not trying to trick anyone this morning. I feel like sometimes everyone's, oh, no, better not say anything. What genre are the Psalms? What, what sort of a book is the book of Psalms in the Bible? Does anyone know? Poetry, yeah, it's a poetry book. So Psalm 84, the one I'm about to read, is a song. It's a poetry. It's a worship song of God. Sometimes we get theology from songs, good or bad. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of worship songs that I've sung over the years that I've looked back now and go, wait a minute, I don't believe that. Does, was that in the Bible? Was that just in a song that I sung throughout my childhood? So this is a song written by the sons of Korah, and I'm going to read from verse 1. That's what I was going to say. This is not doctrine, Psalms. This is not where we form our theology. This is a, a psalm. This is a song. This is a poem that conveys our heart. It conveys spirit. It conveys experience and revelation of what God was like to them in that moment. And I want to encourage us this morning as we read it. Verse 1, Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. According to their experience, God was in the tabernacle. This view mixed with experiences that they had caused a deep love for their location that they met with God. Does that make sense? How lovely is your dwelling place, O God. To them in their revelation, their understanding of what God was like, God was in a tent. And we would go and we would worship God in a tent of meeting. We now know that the presence of God is accessible to us anytime, any moment, any situation, and any place. But the important thing that I take from this is that we need to find a place to meet with God. What does that look like for you? How lovely is your dwelling place? Well, the whole world is God's dwelling place we know now. What does it look like for you, though? Do you have that place? For some of us, it may be church. This might be in that worship moment. That might be where you feel most connected with God. And whether it is or not, I still see church as important. For you, that might be outside in nature somewhere. It may be somewhere that you feel close to God. It may be looking out on a mountain like, like me or looking out over the ocean and going, God, you're so magnificent. How beautiful are you? And in that moment, you feel like you're in the dwelling place of God. Can I encourage us? Let's find a place to meet with God. I believe in church because it's a corporate grounding. It's, we find ourselves in community. We're better together. We can achieve more. The work we do outside of these four walls wouldn't happen if we weren't together in community. But find a place where you can sit back and go, Lord, how lovely is your dwelling place? Verse 2, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Have you noticed in life that we find what we're looking for? 
are we people that desire God? I remember my salvation experience. I felt like I've felt this in verse 2, where it says, My flesh, my heart and my flesh cry out to the living God. I felt like that was my salvation experience. Does anyone remember that? In the moment, I was in a service much like this one. You may have had this experience like that, and they're asking for responses. And in a moment, it's like my soul and my flesh was leaping out going, that's me. I need more of you, God. I actually want to start a journey with you. What does that look like? My soul and my flesh were crying out for the living God. My soul yearns, even faints. I don't want my best or my biggest desire of God to be in the past. I don't want that experience to be forgotten. I don't want my passion to be dwindling like we had this awesome encounter where we're in youth ministry and I see the youth here at Highway Church and I'm so proud of them because they're so passionate, so on fire, so sold out for Jesus. But that's not our high point, church. We should have the same fervency in our older age. My soul yearns, even faints, for the presence of the Lord. Is that real for us today? I pray it is. I actually think that we don't ever have too much God, but the more we experience of Him, the more we want and the more we desire Him. Maybe if our, you know, it's like maybe if the supply, if the supply is always big of God, right? I'm going to try and do an economics lesson here and probably fail miserably, but please stay with me. The supply of God is always big. Always big. Not in question the size of the supply or the resource that God has or the amount of God that we can have. But the demand comes from us. So it's like the more supply that we get is directly proportionate to the demand that we have or the desire that we have for God. So if you don't feel like you're experiencing God right now, can I encourage you, increase your demand. Increase your desire, increase your passion. God, I ask that you, you see, we find what we're looking for. If you feel distant from God, can I encourage you this morning? You can change that. It's not something that I need to say. It's not something the worship leader, because they didn't do your song, you can't experience God this morning. They didn't consult you on the song list. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Our desire and our demand for God dictates the supply that we see in our life. Verse 3, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself. What? Where she may have a young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God, the sparrow. What, is, what are they trying to say here? Have you read Matthew 10, 29, where it says that sparrows are pretty much worthless? Have you read that? Two for one deal, always on sparrows, apparently. That's what it says in Matthew, aren't two sold for one copper coin? It's like they're always a two for one deal. You know that? Those things aren't generally good things. If they're always on special, maybe they're not very special. Do you know what I'm talking about? But even the seemingly insignificant, even the ones that don't see the value in themselves, even the ones that feel like less find a home in the house and in the presence of God. If you're lonely this morning, you're welcome. If you're struggling with self-worth, you're welcome. You're welcome here. You're found here. God places the lonely in community. You see, but community isn't necessarily like-minded people 
or the same-minded people, community is actually differences. It's our differences. If you look around and everyone else in this building is the same as you, firstly, I'm out. I don't want to hang around with myself. I'm over myself. No, 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 but it's community. God's plan was that the, solit- the, the solitude, the lonely would find place in community. Those that are worthless would belong here this morning. If you're feeling less valued, can I encourage you? That was never the intent of God. And I'm sorry for whatever experiences or things that have happened in your life to make you feel less important or like a sparrow where you're always on special, where you're a discounted version, where you're last year's model. Can I encourage you? It's not the case. You are so valuable and so welcome here. There is a place for you near the altar, it says. Near the closeness of what God's doing, in the vicinity of what God is doing on the earth today is a place for you to belong and for you to be a part of it. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Dwell. There's a dwelling. A dwelling is what we inhabit, isn't it? A dwelling is your house because you live there. I believe that we're supposed to be living in the presence of God. There's something about dwelling. There's something about finding ourselves in the presence of God. Verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Strength is in you. I think we have a battle sometimes between like God help and self-help. Do you know what I'm talking about? And a lot of us find it easier to lean on one side more than the other. For example, me, I'm on the self-help side more than I should be, probably. Who is with me on that side? So you're like, oh, I just need to do more of this. I just need to do more of this. Oh, if I just do this, and if I just do this, and if I just do this, and... Anyone on me on this side? Or maybe who's on the other side where it's like, oh, no, I'll just pray about that. I'll just pray about that. I'll just pray about that. Anyone? No one wants to admit that, do they? But it's like we somehow need to be in the middle. If, if we could balance each other out and say, yeah, I'm going to pray about it and I'm going to have faith because that's my job. But I understand that there's a moment where I'm going to have to take action and do something about it. For example, if we're only on this side, you can pray for all the finances you want. You can pray, man. You can pray till you have nothing left. But at some point, you need to go out and get a job. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's like there's both. Maybe we could pray that God would open the right doors at the right moment and he would lead and guide us so that we could take action when he opens the doors for us. Let's not swing the pendulum too far each way. Let's meet in the middle. He is our strength. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. I'm thankful that my relationship with God is not dependent on my strength, but it's his strength that's imputed into me. So I can have the confidence of him, not because I'm confident, I'm not a confident person, but I can walk in boldly because I know that his strength, his confidence is in me. When my heart is set on pilgrimage. Pilgrimage, it's a weird word, isn't it? It's like a spiritual word. Dan said to me, oh, it's such a Christian word. Well, not, it's not really. And then we got to say, it's not, it's not a Christian word, is it? I remember being in India and reminding me of it this morning. And um, have you seen pilgrims? Like, there's literally people walking on the side of the road. And it's like, what are they doing? Oh, they're on a pilgrimage. They're on a journey. They're trying to find God. They're trying to experience what they know of God. And they're trying to find Him. It's like, what a cool picture that that's what our job is. 
to be pilgrims, that we haven't arrived yet, that this isn't it, that I am walking, my life is a journey or a pilgrimage toward God. I'm on a journey. I've done a whole message on this, but I just love the concept that this isn't a Christian thing. It's a spiritual world, but it has Christian implications that we need a journey toward God. If we've stopped journeying, we're in a dangerous place because it's almost like we get to a place where we go, oh, okay, I've got God figured out. Okay, my journey ends here. I've received salvation. I know what's up. No, no, far be that from us. I want us to be people that would go on a journey with God. I want to be someone that would continually journey towards God. Some of these pilgrims in India, some of them are going on a journey to find God. Some of them are going on a journey to find themselves. Have you heard that language? I'm going on a journey to find myself. What if they, the two were the same destination? I believe the truest person of who we are is found in relationship with God. I believe that when we seek and when we journey, when we go on a pilgrimage towards God, we not only find God, we find out who we are in Him. I haven't reached my destination yet. And I'm here to tell you this morning that there is more than what you've witnessed. There's more than what we've experienced. Verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. The valley of Baca, what does that mean? What does that translate? Does anyone know? I'm, I'm, seriously, I'm not trying to trick anyone. Like, I feel like... Trying to make this interactive, and I think I've had a few awkward moments of when I've asked questions. Everyone's like, don't put your hand up. I'm like, it was awkward for me too, so don't worry, you're not alone there. But does anyone know what does backer mean? What does it mean? Like it's no idea? Thank you. It's a plant? Yeah? Who, who over here? Someone over here said something? Weep, yes. Emmanuel Mycotta, is that what you were saying down there, Liz? High five? Weeping, yeah. The valley of weeping. One, one Bible scholar says any hard or painful season in your life could be translated as the valley of Baca. Wherever you are right now that is in pain, maybe it's in grief. Um, what have I got here? Uh, a painful place, weeping. Any difficult or painful place could be represented by the valley of Baca here as we pass through. How do we pass through? We stay a pilgrim. Because if we've arrived... And then the storms of life come and we find ourselves in the valley of Baca. But if we've arrived, spiritually speaking, there's not a forward progression or there's no way out of there because we've arrived. We have God. We, we have the truth. We know this. We know that. We've experienced the best of God in our lives. And if we've arrived, it's a dangerous place because when the storms of life come, they come. Life throws us curveballs. I think we're all old enough to experience that. Can I get an Amen. Without a pilgrimage, without a journey, without a direction towards God, it's easy to get stuck in a place of pain. It's easy to get stuck in the valley of Baca, but not me. I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm going to pass through. Maybe this is what Romans 8:28 really means. And we know that God works all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes for them works all things together for good, even the situation that's bad. I nearly said another word there. Even a bad situation, 
even a terrible situation, God, you work that out for good. I don't understand that, but you work all things together for good. Can I encourage you this morning, if you relate to this valley this morning, your job is to keep swimming. Go home and watch Finding Nemo or whatever it is again. Just keep swimming. Just keep journeying towards God. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to get stuck here. No, no, God, I believe that you work all things together for my good. That this situation is going to be the end of my faith journey. That the situation is going to be the extent of my Christianity. It's not going to be the pinnacle, but God, you're going to continue to lead it and continue to guide me through this. Sometimes in my deepest pain, I've experienced the wellspring of God. Has anyone else experienced that? It says here, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Springs is like, you know, has anyone seen a spring? Like fresh water, like kind of bubbling up from the inside. It's amazing, but I've experienced this in my Christian journey. That in the midst of my painful situation, in the midst of my valley of Baca, it's like God has, there's this freshness bubbling up inside of us. There's this wellspring. Maybe this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, woman, I just wanted to always say that. I'm not allowed to say that at home, so I thought I'd say it here. I'm just, just joking. But the woman at the, at the well, he's like, hey, if you knew who I am and what I'm offering you, you would have living water. Do we allow this God to be this living water that's welling up on the inside of us, that's bubbling up to go, no, there's freshness in the midst of my despair. Whatever you're going through this morning, I want to encourage you. This freshness, this life spring is totally 100% available to you right here and right now. And I don't just mean in Highway Church or Mo at 9.30am. No, no, no. I mean wherever you find yourself. Fully accessible to you right here, right now, right in this moment. They make it a place of springs. How do you make a valley of pain and despair a place of springs? I'll tell you how you do it. You say, hey God... Show me this living water. I know I don't feel like praising you right now. I know I don't feel like you could change the situation. I know I don't feel good in this moment, but Holy Spirit, would you just bubble up a freshness on the inside of me? When that's our desire, when that's our prayer, I promise you things change. Not circumstances immediately, but you change. But we change, but I change. I've experienced it many times. Jesus is our living water. It goes on to say, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. I went swimming this week on Tuesday and I loved it. I haven't like done laps in a pool for ages. Is there any other people that just love swimming? Anyone? I love it. I just, I hadn't done it for months and months. I Went down to local Coomera, whatever that is, and you know the library there, the public pool. It was awesome. I dove in. I broke the rules. Sorry, I'm a rule breaker because there's no diving on the things. It's like, what do you mean? It's a pool. Like, jumped in and that feeling, you know, when your head gets underwater and it's like clear, you're uncontactable. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Your goggles don't fill up with water. And you can just glide underwater and it's like this freshness and you feel lighter and, you, and I feel free in that moment. There's a refreshment 
in the Holy Spirit, when in the midst of our valley, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. I love that it's in autumn. Americans call it the fall, don't they? Oh, in fall, because all the, tree, all the leaves fall off the trees. In our barest moment, in our ugliest moment, you know, autumn, it's gross, isn't it, sometimes? We just have these big stick trees. It's like there's a part where it's nice, where all the leaves change color. I'm like, oh, how nice is that? And then I drive home, and our roundabout just got these stick trees on it. Like, in the midst of our barest moment, in the midst of the ugliest season, it's like there's this freshness available to us. When you're feeling bare, when you're feeling exposed, there's a refreshment of God available to us. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Maybe that feels far-fetched this morning. But can I encourage you? There's a strengthening that comes when it's not our own understanding, when it's not our own efforts, but it's a concentration and and a conscious decision to focus on this living water that's bubbling up and refreshing our soul rather than on our circumstance. Verse eight, hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand? Do we value the encounter and the presence of God? Better is one day. Literally, is this a thousand times better? (laughs) Is experiencing God a thousand times better than all the other things you could be doing right now? I like what it says there. I would rather be a doorkeeper. So you'd rather serve your butt off in the house of God than live the high life without Him. Would you rather be COVID safe cleaning highway church? I don't know if you've seen our serve team, but can we just give it up for our serve teams? Like, seriously, like... I don't know if you've like noticed them before or after a service, but every chair is wiped down. Every door handle is wiped down. Like They're just going over and above to tick the boxes. Whether we believe in the boxes or not, we've got to tick them because we're doing the right thing. And I just want to thank our serve teams, but they would rather be here COVID cleaning. This is what the sons of Korah had this revelation. I would rather COVID clean. I'd rather bump in, bump out church every single week than be relaxing on Sovereign Island right here and right now. Is that what you feel like? Verse 11, for the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk blameless. The Lord God is a sun. I love the idea of sun because nothing grows without sun. There's life because of the sun. There's shield. It talks about the protection and the faith. No good thing will he withhold, blameless, perfect, no, but forgiven, yes. Psalm 27, 13, I remain confident of this, that I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. My favorite verse in the whole Bible. Are you confident of this? 
that I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is not a someday faith for me. I don't just have a faith so that one day, whatever's to come after this life will be better than here and now. Although I hope that's the case. No, I believe wholeheartedly that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living in this life, in this moment here and now. Verse 12. Blessed is the one, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. When we are pilgrims on a journey and trust him, mission is a byproduct. Mission isn't a mission anymore. Because I've been on mission trips. I've been with Anne. I've, I've been on mission trips with people that are no longer walking with God. So if mission was a trip overseas, if that was the extent of mission, well then it doesn't seem to work in my experience. Because I've been over there, I've been on different mission trips to different places in the world, and I go over there with an idea that I'm going to change them. And when I get back, I realize, wow, they changed me. What if mission isn't a mission? What if mission is just an extension of who we are when we're in relationship with God? What if it was a byproduct of His fruit at work in our lives? What if we stop struggling and stop striving to be fruitful for God? What if evangelism, generosity, and serving were all simply byproducts and results of the presence of an encounter and of our personal pilgrimage with God? It's who I am. I can't separate. We should not be able to separate our generosity from who we are. We shouldn't be able to separate our servant heart from who we are. We shouldn't be able to separate our kindness or our love for the one from who we are because it's who we are in Christ. I had a cool experience this week when I got to, um, no, today's Monday, so it was last week now. Nearly lied on the pulpit. What's that, Sorry. Yeah, this is the first day of the week. That's what I'm saying. So I had to say last week now because it happened on Monday. That's what I mean. I nearly lied. So not this week. Last week I had a cool privilege of hanging out with a lady from our church. And she invited us over to meet with this man that she'd been praying for in her life. And I was so blown away by the faith of this woman. I was so encouraged by the faith of this woman. I was just, honestly, I was just, so thankful that I got to be there and I got to witness her share the gospel with this man who was going through a tough time in his life and I was so encouraged. But you know what I noticed? This wasn't an act for her. This wasn't a chore for her. This wasn't work. This was just who she was in God. This was just the expression of her journey. Her mission on Monday wasn't a mission but it was a privilege and a joy. It was just a natural flow of the journey that God's taken her on in her life. I've got a few minutes left and I've got a lot to cover. Are you ready? Who wrote Psalm 84? The sons of Korah. Why is that important? Because the sons of Korah were kind of ended up being David, King David. Everyone know who that is? That's not a trick question. Kind of his worship leaders. They were kind of like the Jaden of King David's time. Quick history lesson. Jacob. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Jacob, his sons and grandsons became the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 tribes of Israel because God changed Jacob's name 
to Israel. So Israel's 12 descendants, some of them were his son. There was a couple that was actually his grandkids that became the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those tribes was Levi. Levi was the priestly tribe, the one that was in charge to look after the whole tabernacle thing, the whole ministry of God to the people. Levi had three sons. One of them was Korath. Korath and his clan, so these one nation, Israel, 12 tribes, Levi's had these three clans and Korath was one of the clans and their role was to look after all the sacred objects in this tent, in this tabernacle of meeting, in this tent that they set up because they were nomadic people that would move in. So they're used to the church bump in, bump out. They're used to all this like COVID change where we're just quickly hustling behind the scenes to get everything set up for church. But, but these Korahs were different to the other clans because the other two clans, there was literally a rule that they could carry their stuff on carts, but this Korath clan couldn't. They had to carry their sacred uh, like objects of worship and things that they used to serve in the temple. They had to carry them themselves. They weren't allowed to put them on a cart. This is the lineage of these sons of Korahs. And then um, Korath had a grandson named Korah. He led a rebellion, which is not a good story. You can check it out in number 16. But he ended up being swallowed up in an earthquake. So we have this Israel, the father of a nation. We have this priestly tribe. We have this clan that were so in tune to the presence of God, that would do whatever, that knew the presence of God, that would carry it with them everywhere they went. They would carry these objects of worship wherever they went. And they had a generation that went astray. But the sons of Korah were in the house singing, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Why do I say that? I say that to say this, maybe you feel of course. Maybe you feel like you've gone astray. Maybe you feel like you've been rebellious. Maybe you feel like you've lost a generation. I'm here to tell us this morning that there's a new generation coming. And I'm not talking about an age thing. I'm talking about a wave of the move of God. That there's a new generation coming that's not an age, but it's a proximity to Him. That there's a newness available. That yeah, we may have been stuck in this rebellion season. There may have been a time where we questioned everything and lost our faith, but I'm here to tell you today, no, 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 there's a freshness coming where it's a newness of God, where it's a freshness of God. And do you know where I'm seeing it most at the moment? I'm seeing it in a highway youth. Are you seeing it in a highway youth? There's a newness in our church there's a newness in our personal walks with God that we have full access to. But my question to you is, will we go on the journey? Are we going to be the ones that see that? Or are we going to miss it? Can I pray? God, I just pray over your people this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that would be a people, Lord, that would go on a pilgrimage to you. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that understand that a mission is not a mission when we're simply outworking what you've showed us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, guide us. 
Jesus, be that living water well within us, God. I pray for freshness in the midst of the valley this morning. I pray for freshness in the midst of despair this morning. And God, I pray, Lord, that something I spoke about, Lord, would encourage us to go on a journey towards You. And God, I just pray, Lord, that others will be drawn in and blessed because of what You are doing in our lives, God. I pray, Lord, that we would focus our attention on You. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.